Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Luke Cobray. So if you have a Bible, a phone, a tablet, or something that you can refer to the Scriptures, pull it out, grab it, and turn with me to the book of John, and then to chapter number 11. John and chapter number 11. Because there have been times in our lives where we feel like God has been absent apathetic or late. You have begged, you have pleaded, you have asked God to do something and God didn't even respond. And to be frank, in the moments you start to ask yourself the question, who needs a God like that? And the the struggle, the challenge of our faith becomes apparent. And in this story I want to take you through, there's a story that's probably familiar to you. It's a story about a man named Lazarus. And so let's just begin by reading this. And I'm going to stop and subtly point some things out, some some details that I believe that are important for you to understand within the Scripture so that you would understand what God has in this story as a revelation for you in the middle of your story. And it begins in John chapter 11, verse number 1. It tells us about this. John is Jesus' best friend. At least he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so Jesus, John writes this, and this is likely the last scripture that was written in the time of the New Testament. This is the last book that was penned out of the New Testament here. The book of John as he's at the end of his life telling the story of his encounter and his time with Jesus. And John writes from his perspective in John chapter 11. He says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus. Now I want you to see this. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this is very important. I'm going to start on verse number one to point out some details because I want you to see this. The, 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 de- the, the, the story is in the details. Oftentimes you don't re- understand this as we read through the scriptures, but there is no detail left out in scripture. So it tells us in John chapter 1 that there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. Lazarus is the first person mentioned. Then it says that he is the brother of the sisters, Mary and Martha. We know Mary and Martha from Luke chapter 10. Luke writes in his gospel account about these two sisters. Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus as a disciple of Jesus. Martha who was reprimanded by those who are around us and corrected by Jesus for wanting to be a busybody. We have taught in churches over and over and over again that you got to be like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and not like Martha so wrapped up in the work of the day-to-day that you miss out on what Jesus is doing. So here we see this is a story about a man named Lazarus, a woman named Mary, and her sister Martha. Now a couple of verses down we're going to just jump to verse number three. So verse number three, it says, therefore, Jesus was in a town, Jericho, a little bit, a little bit uh, north and a little bit east of where this town Bethany was at. The, the, the sisters, in verse number three, says, therefore, the sisters send to Jesus uh, saying, Lord, behold, he, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. When Jesus heard that, Jesus responded and said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus is saying, take a big deep breath. It's going to be okay. They come to Jesus and say, Jesus, Lazarus 
is sick. We need you to come. It's about a day and a half walk from Jericho, all uphill. I've been on a bus three different times driving. It's the ascent. It's where Psalms 120 through Psalms 118 through 122 come through. The Psalms of ascent as you're ascending to Jerusalem, you would quote these Psalms, and it was a day and a half journey to a two-day journey from Jericho to Bethany through Jerusalem. And they call to Jesus saying, Lazarus is sick, come. Jesus says, take a big deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Now, John writes to give us some context of the story. It says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, I hope, did you just see this? Wait a minute. Did you, did you just see what just happened? See, what you need to understand about Old Testament writing is that that writing wasn't like today. You couldn't just bust out a computer and start typing. You didn't bust out a piece of paper and a pen and just start writing. Whenever somebody took something to write down, when they took the time to write it down, that meant that they were giving something very valuable, which means there is no word wasted. There is no, there is no word in the scripture is that is not written for a reason. So in John chapter 1, 11, verse number 1, it says that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha... But now all of a sudden, John gives us a little bit of context about this story in this moment. Because it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister. doesn't even name the one that we're supposed to be like and Lazarus. This is important and you'll see why in just a moment. Jesus loved that. So it says that Jesus loved them. So, so they, 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 Jesus says, I'm not going to go. He tarries in, in Jerusalem for a couple of days, and they spend some time there. And so, so Lazarus dies in the meantime. And so all of a sudden, a messenger comes back to Jesus. Now, we're going to skip through a couple of verses just for the sake of time. In John chapter 11, verse number 15, Jesus, the messenger comes back and talks to Jesus. And Jesus says, it's time for us to go to Jericho, or it's time for us to go to Bethany. And, and they said, well, but Jesus, if we go, like, we're going to go to Bethany. They persecuted you. They're going to go. And Thomas, we call him Thomas the Doubter, he jumps up like a martyr and is like, if we're going to go to die, let's go to die now. And Jesus is like, stop. In John chapter 11, verse number 14, it says that Jesus says to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse number 15, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I've emphasized this for you. Verse number 15, Jesus says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Did you catch that just right now? Let's just be honest for a moment. As, as much as we read the story in hindsight, if this was you, and it has been you, this is that moment where you cried out to God and you were wait, waiting for that response. This is that time when you were asking God to intervene, that you were asking God to do something in your life. This is that moment when, when you said, God, I need you to show up. And Jesus just told his disciples, Lazarus died. Wait a minute, Jesus. Didn't you say he wouldn't die? Didn't you say that it was going to be all right? Didn't you say take a big deep breath? And Jesus now says plainly, Lazarus is dead. But not only is Lazarus dead, I'm glad for it. But Jesus loved Lazarus. John tells us that in verse number one. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. John tells us that again in verse number three. What is going on? It feels like God is apathetic. It feels like God is absent. It feels like God is just late to the story of your life. And Jesus says, I am glad that Lazarus died 
for your sakes, that you would believe. But nevertheless, let's go. So they pick up their stuff and they journey to the, to the, to the Bethany. It's a, it's a long journey. And so after Lazarus has died, they, they, they journey to that. You think about it for a moment. Why would you even go to Lazarus if he's died? Why even make the effort to walk uphill for two days in the hot Judean sun to visit somebody who has already passed and has already at this point been buried and put in the grave according to Jewish tradition? So Jesus and his disciples go and as he comes up, the, the, the story picks up. I want to pick up a couple of verses later in verse number 20 now of John chapter 11. It says these words. As Jesus was coming into Bethany, it says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. You need to understand this because, see, we, we live in a world where everybody wants to be a Mary and not a Martha. That's what we've been taught in church all along is that, well, Mary was the one that sat at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was so caught up in the work and the busy bodies that be a Mary in a Martha world. Don't get too busy. Sit at the feet of Jesus and don't miss it. But look what's going on in the story right here. Martha hears that Jesus comes and she runs to him. But Mary, the one that we idolize, the one that we emphasize, the one that we look at and say, that's the model to follow. She doesn't even get up and get out of her house. Why? Because Jesus was late. He was apathetic. He was absent to their need. So Martha gets up and she runs. And, and, and now John chapter 11, it says that Martha says to Jesus, Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here. My brother would not have died. If you would have showed up when I asked you, if you would have come when we called for you, if you would have done what we have asked, the situation would have never been the way it was. But now, here we are. You are late. That's what Martha's greeting is to Jesus. But then she says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I hope you see that. Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. But I know that whatever you ask of God. Now we look at this and say, man, Martha had faith. She already knew the story. But I want you to see some details. I want you to, we're going to look at some of the small things here. See the very next verse, Jesus says, Martha, your brother will rise again. Verse number 24, Martha says, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Pause. Martha was not expecting what you know is about to happen. John tells us that right now. See, Jesus came and said, your brother's about to live. And she says, I know, I know that in the final day, at, at the return of the Lord, I know on that, that day of judgment that all of the dead will rise and I'll see my brother again. She's, you know, that, that, that whole, like, let's not go by it, see you later. I know that, Jesus. But Jesus comes back and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he might die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The most important question asked 
in this. This is the moment of critical mass. This is the moment to which Jesus is about to drive home what he is about to do in the moment. He says to Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, I am who you think I am. Martha, I am. Do you believe this? And Martha says to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come to this world. And Jesus says, well, where's your sister? Where's Mary? Where's the loved one? Where's the hero? Where's the, the role model? Where's Mary? She's at home being comforted. So Jesus tells Martha, go. Get your sister and bring her here. Tell her that I have come. Mary already knew that Jesus had come, but she didn't want to come. You know why Mary didn't want to come to Jesus? Because Mary was mad at Jesus. Because Mary expected that Jesus, because he loved her, would show up at her demand, at her request, and on her timing to do what she asked Jesus to do. And the moment that Jesus didn't show up in her moment, Mary stayed home where it felt good. So Jesus tells her, go get Mary. So Martha comes back and gets married. So let's just jump a couple of verses down. In verse number 32, it says, Mary came to where Jesus was. And when she saw him, she fell down at his feet. And she said, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't come. I, was, I, was, I wasn't, no, what did she do? She fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There it is. John is making it a point. Whenever something is repeated in scriptures, it's not there because it's, it's rhythmic. It's not there because they didn't know what else to say. So they were using a filler word. Like I said, it was expensive to write. So when John writes that both sisters said the exact same thing, John is driving the point home that they were disappointed. They were let down. They were, they were discouraged. And they were questioning whether or not this was even real anymore at this moment. Because Jesus, if you would have just showed up like we asked you to, my brother would not have died. And sometimes, friends, we just need to recognize that it feels like God is too late. Let's just be honest. We love the songs and the stories that make us feel good, like I could do all things in Jeremiah 29, 11, like, you know, I've got plans to prosper you. And we like to write those on there. There are times, and there will be times, friend, that it will feel like God is too late to your story. You need to know it. You see, we can't just live this faith that thinks that everything that is good all day long only comes from God and that God only does good things and that we have to understand that sometimes God sees a story beyond our story, that sometimes God lives in a timeline beyond our timeline and that if we have this shallow faith that only like God is like a slot machine in the sky to us that whenever we call or whenever we ask, he shows up and does the good things and then we forget about him the rest of the week. Then when life goes to hell, and it will, We'll miss it. Sometimes it feels like God is too late. So Jesus takes them to the grave. He says, take me. So he says, he goes to the store, or he goes to the, where they laid Lazarus down. And he begins to cry. He weeps over Lazarus' death. And as he's moved with compassion, the, the, the pain that is inflicted and the lesson that he's about to give. In John chapter 11, now verse number 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha jumps up. <laughs> Lord, by this time, it's, there's going to be a stench. See, you're not just late. You are far too late. He has been dead four days. 
You see, in the Jewish tradition, the Jewish people believed at this time that the soul of a body would hover over that body for around three days. After the third day, that soul would go to the place of the dead. And so Lazarus being dead for four days meant there was no chance. There was no statistical anomaly. There was no hope for somebody like Lazarus to be raised from the dead. So to open up the tomb of Lazarus was only sacrilege and disgusting because at this point his body was beginning to decompose and Martha is bringing it to the attention of Jesus. Once again, you are are too late. Please don't do this. It's not going to be pleasant. But then Jesus says to Martha, he says, didn't I say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who were standing by, I say this. Jesus is basically saying out loud, because of everybody else who's here, this is why I'm praying audibly right now. Because of the people that are here, I believe that, that they might believe that you have sent me. And after he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Come on now. See, I used to think that the story of Lazarus was the story of Jesus resurrecting what was dead back to life because that's what the gospel message is, is that you were dead, but Jesus brought you back to life. But the story of Lazarus is not a story of resurrection because here's the problem about the story of Lazarus is they tried to kill Lazarus the next day, and then eventually Lazarus died anyway. The story of Lazarus is so much more than Jesus calling a dead man out of the grave because I want you to see what happens here. I want you to go back with me for a moment to a couple of verses that we kind of blew through because I was hoping that you wouldn't see it so that after the story, in hindsight, you could come back and see that. John chapter 25, Jesus says to her, you can, or you can put that up on the screen for us. John chapter 25, it says this, it says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he would die, shall live. And whoever lives and believes will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus let Lazarus die. You need to let that sink in for a moment. He let him die. He let him not just die. He let him die, die, like dead, dead, like, like real dead, like forever dead. Four days in the grave, dead, stinking dead. He let Lazarus die for a point. And the point was made right there. Jesus, to the woman who rushed to his feet the moment he entered town, even though she was disappointed, even though she was discouraged, even though she was let down, Jesus let her in on a secret. Jesus pulled back the kitchen curtain and said, come on in, I'm gonna show you what I'm cooking for a moment and you get a firsthand view of this. You need to understand what Jesus just did. There was a revelation in the moment that Jesus just dropped on Martha that almost nobody picks up on. We like to focus on Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus asked, 
asks Peter and his disciples, who are people saying about me? Oh, you're Elijah. Oh, you're the prophets. Oh, you're John the Baptist. Then Peter jumps up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't deliver that to you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was a revelation made by God from Peter in that moment. But do you recognize and realize that the very same revelation was given to a woman that we often look at and say, do not be like her. That if Peter got the opportunity to be recorded in the pages of history as the one who knew the story of Jesus Christ, so then Martha got the opportunity in the pages of history to declare that Jesus Christ is life. See, the story isn't about Jesus bringing people back to life. The story is Jesus is life. Here's the problem. The problem is most of us want something out of it. I want you to bring back to Jesus. said Martha didn't come to Jesus because she believed that Jesus would raise Lazarus. We saw that. She said, I know I'll see him again when the day comes. And Jesus says, I'm about to show you something. I let your brother die so that you would recognize that the source of life is me. Friends, you need to know right now, wherever you are, in whatever situation or whatever circumstance or whatever story or whatever season of life you are in, that Jesus is life. That you have been looking in the discouragement and the letdown for an answer. That's why you went to the bottle or to the drug or to the woman or to the man. That's why you turn on the computer late at night and look at those things that you know that you don't need to be looking at because you are looking for life because you are let down. But friends, you need to know there is life in the letdown and the life is named Jesus. Because this is the theme of the story of John. See, John chapter 1, Jesus tell, John tells us that Jesus was the light of men. He was the life of the world. John chapter 3, Jesus tells us that whoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life. John chapter 6, they come to Jesus after Pastor Dan talked about it. They, everybody walked away because his words were confusing. And Jesus says, you're going to leave me too? And the disciples come back and say, where would we go? Your word is life. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. John chapter 11, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, Jesus has come to give you life. John chapter 20, Jesus shows you life. Jesus is life. And so you're let down. And so your bank account goes down, so the marriage fails, so the child doesn't go the way it goes. And then we begin to say, God, why didn't you show up? The message was never about what God could do for you in the moment that you needed him. The message of the gospel is always that God has already done it for you. You've got life. You've got hope, you've got peace, you've got a future. It doesn't matter if it dies because you've got life in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, in September of 2020, we thought we were done. We were over. 
We were streaming our services online, and we were getting 15, 16 people watching on a Sunday. I felt like a failure. I genuinely thought, I, I miss God. I'm going to have to go before all of these people that I convinced to give up their life and tell them that we missed it. That we're going to pack up. And part of me wanted to. Part of me wanted just to come home. Part of me wanted to just come back to the way life was. And we, we just said, we're done. And it was in the desperation, it was in the letdown, it was in the failure of the moment that we began to focus our eyes on Jesus Christ as the author of our life, saying, no, God, you opened up doors that we can't deny. You brought us to a place that we couldn't resist. We tried to say no. As many times as we said no, you brought us back here. So, God, if you brought us here, then the author of life has got to breathe life into the situation. Let me tell you the story of Journey Church in Redmond up to this point. And in September, as we were at our lowest, in October, we began the conversations and the legitimate uh, negotiations of a church within our city beginning to merge into our church. A pastor approached me and said, I want to bring my church into your church. And I said, do you realize I don't have a church? And they said, we've got a building, and we've got people, and we see life, and we see God's doing something in this process. And so we started meeting at this church's facility. We quickly began to realize we couldn't fit in this church's facility, all 20 of us. So we said we couldn't do that. In November, I was approached by another landowner that said, I have had a church in my facility for years, and that church has ceased to exist, and I would hope and pray that this building would always be a church. Would you consider coming and leasing this place and bringing your church here? It was way too big. It cost way too much money. There was no way. So we came back and said, like, uh, we're poor. <laughs> so, like, if you could rent it to us for, like, 30% of what rentals are going for around and, and give us like all the stuff for free and all these different things. He said, sure, fine, come. Oh, shoot, we have to do this. So we relaunched in January. 35 people showed up on Saturdays and painted a room and, and, and brought some stuff together to make this one church look like another church. And we didn't have signs on the street. I mean, we had to get these banners from like signs.com and they were really bad and bungee cord and it was cold and winter. And all of a sudden, people started to show up. And more people started to show up. And, and, and we, all of a sudden, we saw more than 100 people come on a Sunday. And we were like, oh my gosh, 100 people on a Sunday, that's amazing. And then all of a sudden, we saw more than 200 people come on a Sunday. And we're like, oh, my gosh, 200 people, this is amazing. And we saw more than 300 people come on a Sunday. And we said, oh, my goodness, 300 people are showing up on a Sunday. And then we saw more than 400 people show up on a Sunday. And we thought, what is going on right here, God? And it was like going, going, going. Since January of 2020, 2021, we have seen 143 decisions for Jesus Christ in that church alone. A church has merged, we've accepted and adopted orphans of another church that has closed, and God has flung open door after door after door for what we are doing in the city of Redmond. Why? Because Jesus is the author of life. And right now it might feel like Lazarus is dead. Let him die. So that you could find the revelation of life. In the letdown. As Psalm 73, verse number 26 says it like this My flesh and my heart, they fail. But God is the strength of my heart and the portion forever. Friends, Paul the Apostle understood this more than anybody else, and he said, If God before me, 
Who could be against me? He said, I am convinced there's no height, no depth, no breadth, no width, no principality, no spirit, no, no, no power, or no thing to come, no thing present that could separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Paul, when he prayed out to God and said, God, I need you to remove this situation or this circumstance, Jesus Christ came back and said, no. And Paul said, I will boast in my sickness because I know that the power of Jesus Christ is made perfect in my infirmity. The question I want to ask you as you walk out of this building today is this, do you believe it? That's what Jesus asked Martha. Martha, you will see the revelation of your son. You will see life. You will see this. Do you believe it? Martha, of all people in scripture, was privileged to be the one to say, yes, I see it. In the moment of letdown, you've got to ask yourself, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Even if Lazarus is dying, Will you believe that Jesus is life? Friends, whatever situation and whatever circumstance you find yourself in in this moment, I pray that you know that Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your life. Jesus is your strength. Jesus is your portion. Jesus is your shield. That if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. And if God is allowing it to die in this moment, then put your faith and your trust in the author and the finisher of your faith that God sees beyond the other side of the death to show that he is life. Jesus is life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for this place tonight. God, I pray for those who are walking through a difficult place. God, I pray for those who are walking through a story of Lazarus right now. God, I pray for those who in this moment right now have been crying out in their soul, a, a, a groaning, God, that can't even be described in words of their desperate need for you, Lord. I pray in this moment your Holy Spirit, like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, would overshadow them with the grace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that, that you would be with them in this moment. God, I pray that the eyes, like Paul writes, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they would recognize the great depth and breadth and width of your love. God, that you are life in Jesus. God, I ask that you would move in this place. Lord, I, I thank you for this house. God, I think of the, of the church that was poor. Paul writes and celebrates for their miraculous gift of the grace and, the, and the, the, the word of the Holy Spirit. And God, I ask in this moment that you would cover this place with your grace and with your gift. God, with your presence and with your power. That this church, these people would be a people that are known like Martha put their hope and their faith and trust in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.